Father, tonight we thank you for the word. We thank you, God, that as we enter this season of of Christmas, Lord, that you will affect our hearts in such a way that we will indeed be witnesses for you, that we will indeed be people who represent you in this earth. Lord, let us be, be men and women who are impacted by your word. Holy Spirit, you wrote the Bible. You're the teacher of it. And tonight we ask you to give us revelation from it. Lord, show us. Show us you tonight. Show us who you are, what you would have, especially in this season. We thank you for it. And we celebrate tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, everybody had a good Thanksgiving? Yeah? Yeah. I know we did. We had a great Thanksgiving. We had all of our kids but one. And uh, all our grandkids but two. So it was good. We had a great time, and the weather was wonderful on Thanksgiving Day. To fry a turkey was great. And so uh, I didn't fry a turkey. My son does that job. But uh, it was a a great Thanksgiving. I hope you had a good one. But, you know, we have a lot, of course, to be thankful for. I mean, especially Christians have a lot to be thankful for. Um, We we all have great families. Mine is. I hope yours is, too. You know, we don't. We didn't get to choose our families, but I, I have, I have a great family. You know, my mother-in-law came over and sat and talked with me for a while outside, and uh, I call her Saint Betty because she's a, a, a woman who really loves God. And anyway, it was just a great day of Thanksgiving. We have food, shelter, and clothing. Everybody in this room, right? We we, we don't have anybody that's going to sleep in the street tonight. Uh, we're all in the country legally. All the things that are supposed to be. All right, we we have, most of all, we have Jesus. I mean, if you can't be thankful for anything, at least you can be thankful that you don't have to go to hell for eternity. You can be thankful that Jesus came and you made him the Lord of your life. You can be thankful that you got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I don't know about you, I don't know what we would do without being able to pray in the Spirit. I mean, that is that is one of the most important things that God ever did for the human race to pray His plan, to pray His praises, even when I don't even understand what I'm saying, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit is a great thing. And I am very grateful for my friend sticking with me while I was trying to figure it out. In fact, I saw that guy that tried to stick, stuck with me a few weeks ago when my high school reunion was having his 50th reunion. He came and, and uh, uh we had dinner and met with him a couple of times, and, and he has no idea, and I tried to express it to him this time, what him sticking with me meant to me. I'm thankful for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I mean, aren't you? I mean, I mean, we, we just don't act excited enough about that, I think. And has it lost its luster? I don't think so. I think it's still great. And if you can't be thankful for that, how about heaven? When we die, we get to go to heaven. I mean, that is going to be a glorious time. You know, I realize the people here are going to miss you when you go, but you're not going to miss them because you're going to be in heaven and it's going to be a fantastic thing. I'm thankful for all those things. I I love Thanksgiving. In fact, it may be my favorite holiday because it is hard to secularize it. I mean, they've secularized Christmas a lot and all the other holidays, but Thanksgiving, the, the, the very word means you have to give thanks 
for something. And if you're giving thanks for something, you got to be giving thanks to someone. And on that day, we recognize that our thanks is to God. And I think most of our nation understands, even though they don't believe in Him any, they understand we got to give thanks to God. And that's what we stop for, is to give thanks to God. I really love Thanksgiving. But now, we're on the way to Christmas, right? We're, it's, we've turned the corner. Now it's about Christmas. And every time I think about Christmas, I think about the verse in 2 Corinthians 9.15 that says, Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. I mean, talk about a gift for Thanksgiving. That was the gift. The gift of all gifts was when the Father gave His Son. I mean, we go right from Thanksgiving right into Christmas. And I believe Christmas is, when we celebrate Christmas, the fact of Christmas is the second most important event in human history. The first is the resurrection. Because without the resurrection, we would be most miserable of all people, according to the Apostle Paul. We would still be dead in our sins. Jesus came, I understand. He had to get here first, but He died on a cross. He was buried in a tomb and He was raised on the third day so that you and I might be raised with Him. That is the most important thing that ever happened in this world. And that all we have to do is believe what He said. But Christmas is about God's gift to mankind in the form of a baby. Isn't that interesting? The whole world was changed because of the baby in the manger on that first Christmas night. I mean, it's about God giving His holy Son, His only Son for you and I. Sadly, many people have forgotten the reason for Christmas. I mean, they're trying to change the name. I mean, personally, I don't even write the word Xmas on anything. I write Christ. Mass. You understand? Christ Mass means celebrate the Christ. Celebrate the Anointed One. It's a Mass for Christ. And I don't, we're trying to change it to the winter solstice and we're trying to change it to the winter holiday or winter break or whatever. It's still Christmas. It still is Christmas. It's about Jesus. I mean, this time of year, the attention goes a lot of times to the wrong things. We start thinking about about, oh my gosh, what are we going to feed all these people? Where are all these people going to sleep? Can we get the house clean enough in time? I don't even like all those relatives. I mean, we have all these things, and people start getting stressed out at Christmas time. In fact, Christmas, the Christmas holiday season is considered one of the most stressful times of the year for most people because they put themselves in stress. In fact, just thinking about going to the mall makes people get stressed out. I'm, I'm t- I, I, for one, am not planning to go to the mall, but people go to the mall at Christmas time, and people get stressed out when they go to the mall. So your gift didn't come from the mall, so just so you know. Here's what the Bible says in Philippians 4, 6, and you know this verse. It says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. That little phrase, be careful for nothing, it means don't worry about, don't be stressed about anything. That includes Christmas. That includes what am I going to get for all these kids and grandkids? How are we going to get this dinner prepared? We should not be stressed over that. We should be Mary's and not Martha's. Remember, Mary was stressed over the dinner. That that story always amazes me. Jesus multiplied loaves and fishes, and she was worried they wouldn't have enough food. 
I mean, he could take care of the deal. He just said, you know, your sister's chosen the good part, Martha. Just come in here and sit down with us. We need to not be worried. Matthew chapter 6, 25, Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not life the life more than the meat, the body, and raiment? That little phrase, take no thought, means take no anxious or worried thought. You understand, Jesus was telling you and me, we have an option to take it or don't. We choose to take anxiety. We choose to take it. Many people have chosen to take it for so long that it's become their way of life and they've become people who are worried and anxious. They need to reprogram their heart and their mind to not be anxious. And that takes time if we've spent time doing it. We're supposed, some people never say the word careful. That, you know, you're going to walk away and they never say, y'all be careful because they're thinking that means that the word Jesus, when, when it says be careful, nothing, they think that means, that means you can't use that word. No, the word careful means don't, don't get in an accident. Watch what you're doing when we're saying it. It doesn't mean be worried. The scripture says don't worry. So we need to be working this Christmas on having a stress-free Christmas. Wouldn't that be good? Don't worry. Just don't worry about Christmas. Just enjoy it this, this year. Too much of the attention, of course, at Christmas time is on Santa Claus. Now, I don't know what kind of house you grew up in, but I was raised North American heathen white trash. And when that's how you're raised, we never talked about Jesus at home. We never talked about Christmas at home. Now, we called ourselves Baptists, but we were no more Baptist than anybody you've ever met. You've got to go at least, I think, to become one. And somebody went one time and they got once saved, always saved. That was it because it was this day of, of when you could choose not to go back. I, I can't figure when that was. But anyway, we, and when I grew up, Christmas was all about Santa Claus. I don't know about your families, but my family was all about Santa Claus. I mean... Santa Claus was our idol at Christmas time. We knew that he saw us when we were sleeping and when we were awake. And we knew that he knew if we were bad or good. So we had to be good for what? For Santa Claus. Because we wanted to get those presents. And we didn't think about being good 11 months of the year. But when December came around, it was like, oh my goodness. Santa Claus is watching now. We better straighten this out. And so Christmas was all about Santa. And I know none of you never, ever had that situation. You weren't raised like me. But it was all about Santa Claus. And every year we got good for one month until we got those presents. And then we started fighting over who got what and all that stuff. But until then we were good. Because Santa was watching. And Santa was our idol and we had to be right for Santa couldn't wait for Santa to show up at the toy store so I could go and tell him what I wanted I mean Santa we 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 had to serve Santa at Christmas time so when I got saved at a very young age and so after I got saved at church I began to hear about Jesus and I began to hear about a manger, and I began to hear about all the things that took place at church, and I began to realize that Christmas 
was not at all about Santa. It was about Jesus, that the Savior had come. And I, I grew up thinking that, and I finally realized that, that, that Santa was, was, was probably the way we did it was not a good thing. And so I decided that I didn't want Santa to ever be an idol in my life. In fact, I got mad at Santa after a while because I thought Santa was stealing the show from Jesus. And so I was mad at Santa. Not as mad as I read an article in the paper about this guy in Amarillo who was dressed up like the Grinch in front of the elementary school. And he was carrying a sign that said, Santa's not real, Jesus is real. And so he was campaigning to these kids at their elementary school. I can just hear them screaming to their moms and dads, the ones who could read, about, about Jesus being real or not. And I thought, what an idiot. Anyway, I'm sorry, he is not an idiot. I, I don't know him to tell him. But I was mad at Santa. And I, I would think, especially as a young preacher, I'm thinking, you know what, if you just move the N from the middle of Santa's name to the end, what does that spell? Satan. I thought, there you go. That's who he is. He's Satan. He's stealing the show from Jesus. I mean, you know, I was so angry. And then one day, Tammy and I were at a mall when we still went to malls back in, in, in we were in Amarillo and we went to the mall and there was this little statue. I think it might've been a candle even, but it was a statue of Santa Claus bowing before the manger. And Santa was worshiping Jesus. And I thought, now that's interesting. I never thought that could be a thing, but he was worshiping Jesus. Then I did some study about Nicholas, the man who became Saint Nicholas. Interesting study. You'll find that he was a very strong Christian man and that he gave not just to children, but he gave to the causes of Christ. He loved the Lord. And, of course, the legend grew out of that when he became a saint and all those things. But Santa Claus was good. Yes, Christmas is way, way, way too commercial. And believe me, I work in retail. I know how commercial it is. But Santa Claus eventually wasn't my enemy anymore because I'm thinking Nicholas and I, we worship the same Jesus. And he got the reputation of riding in a sleigh and having reindeer. But, you know, we all know that that may or may not have ever happened. I don't know what kids will be listening to this, but we don't know about that. Listen to this verse of Scripture. 1 Samuel 2, verse 30. The Lord said, Them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. That's a pretty powerful verse of Scripture. If, if we take the time this Christmas season to honor Him, He will honor us. That needs to be what we focus on. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 25, Jesus said, Take heed what you hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. And to you that hear, more shall be given. For he that hath, to him shall be given. He that hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he hath. Now that's an interesting passage of Scripture. This in chapter John, Mark chapter 4 talks about the seed and the word. And that's what it's about mostly about hearing the Word, growing with the Word. Jesus is referring to the fact that if we will value, honor the Word, pay attention to the Word, if we'll do the Word, we'll receive more of the Word. We'll receive honor from God. God will honor what He said. If we fail to value it, then we'll lose it, what little we have, and we'll be lightly esteemed. <coughs> Excuse me. So we need to understand that 
we need this Christmas season to be a time that we honor God. Honor Him with our words. Honor Him with our actions. Honor Him with our families. Honor God. Make sure they know who we are and what we do. The Bible says in Isaiah 45, 15, Isaiah said, Verily thou art a God that hidest himself, hidest thyself, O God of Israel, the Savior. He said, you're a God that hides himself. Have you ever thought about that? God hides himself. Who does he hide himself from? He hides himself from those who don't honor him. If we don't honor him, he can't honor us because he's obligated to his word. If we seek him, what does the Bible say? We will find him. We need to understand we honor him. He hides himself from those who don't want him, but he will honor those who do. In this Christmas season, we need to find the real meaning and honor God. We, we need to be people who have traditions. We need, to, we need to enjoy our traditions. But make sure we understand and remember why do we celebrate the season? Why do we celebrate? Is it about Santa Claus? Is it about the gifts? What if you fail to get Cousin Joe the right present? Doesn't mean anything. It means Cousin Joe can go return it and get something else. Surely you save the little exchange thing. Or you give him the Amazon receipt. He can take it and mail it back to Amazon. Right? Let's learn to honor Him. So let's listen to this passage of Scripture. This is Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. I read this to my grandkids every Christmas. I read it to my children. They're all there too. And there were in that same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Do you think you'd be afraid if an angel showed up on your Christmas Eve or your Christmas night. I think you might be because every time I read in the Bible one shows up, the first thing they say is fear not. Why is it that you see little naked cherubs, cupids, in Christian people's homes and they think that they're, they're demonstrating an angel? Are you, would you be afraid if that happened? <coughs> No, you think you were crazy, because what is that flying around here? Get the fly swatter, Myrtle. We're getting that out of here. No, this angel shows up, and these are grown men shepherds in a field. Would you be afraid? I think he better say fear not to me pretty quick, because of I might be in the next county pretty soon if I saw him showing up. They were sore afraid, and the angel said to them, Fear not. And I'm sure he had to pause for a minute so I could get out of it. I'm sure they were still shaking a little bit. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as angels were gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, 
Let us now go even to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made, made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. What an awesome night that had to have been. Now we started talking about Christmas a couple of times ago and we, we talked about Simeon and, and Anna in the temple. Last time we talked about Joseph and Mary. This is what I think. I think it's okay for us to have Christmas traditions, but if they're inaccurate religious things, maybe we ought to line up with the Scripture. Wouldn't that be a good thing? I'm not saying you're going to hell if you don't. Don't, 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 don't misinterpret me. But I'm kind of relaying tonight the rest of the story. What, what, what does the Bible say about this? So we're going to look at these shepherds. I hope we have time. We won't look at the wise men also. Right, so these shepherds were unusual guys. So immediately after Mary delivers the baby, the Bible says that we're in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. Now these shepherds and their field were where? In Bethlehem, right? Because Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And this field where they were is very significant in, in history. The field referred to in verse 8 when it talks about they were in, abiding in the field is called the shepherd's field. And it still is called the shepherd's field over 2,000 years later. It's still there. It's still the shepherd's field. So why is that important? Well, because this field, in this field, the sheep were being raised for temple sacrifices. That's what these sheep were used for. I mean, they weren't just any sheep. They were set apart, consecrated from all the rest to become sacrificial lambs. And all those sheep were considered to be holy unto the Lord. So this wasn't just any group of shepherds. This was an important group of shepherds. They were special. Their job was to watch over the sacrificial lambs. As the scripture said, keeping watch over their flock by night. In the Greek, it literally says that they, would, that they were guarding and guarding and guarding and watching their sheep. In other words, they, they were serious shepherds. They'd been assigned the serious task of guarding, constantly guarding these sheep used for sacrificial purposes. So these weren't just any shepherds. When, he, when, he, when the angel comes to him, he makes an announcement. And in this announcement, he tells them about Jesus, but he also tells them his, what he's getting ready to do, his life's mission. In verse 9 it says, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The way, this, the way it's, it, it talks about this in, in the Greek language, it talks about the glory of the Lord shone round about them. It wasn't like it was this light that went everywhere. It was like a, a, a ray of light that came just on them, like they were in the spotlight. Because it doesn't, history doesn't talk about anybody else who saw this great light. But these, but these shepherds were out there. All right, it says, came upon. The Greek word is ephistemi, which means a sudden and surprising, glorious appearance that, make, that takes one off guard. Yes, I bet it was. Uh, it would take you off guard if a big old angel appeared in this room tonight. It, it, they, they, were, they took them off guard. All right? they, 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 they weren't sitting around saying, I wonder if an angel is going to come tonight. Think this is the night the angel will come? They didn't know anything about the angel coming. 
They didn't know anything about the Messiah. Many of them may not have known about, about him even being born in Bethlehem. I mean, all of a sudden, they were caught by surprise. I mean, this angel comes, and he's dazzling. And then it says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. First thing the angel says is, Behold. The Greek word here is edu. And this, this, word, this word edu, it doesn't mean just behold, it means wow. Well, I am getting ready to tell you something that is absolutely amazing. This is the biggest news that's ever come on the planet. Behold, look at this. Let it, let you, I want to let you see it. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Tells him right there that, that, that he's already been born. He's already been born in Bethlehem, and, and he's there, and his, it's already taken place. It's in the city of David, which is Bethlehem, and that's just a stone's throw from that field. And so here they are. And who was it? He said he's a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Those are, pretty, those are pretty important words. He's a Savior. The word Savior comes from the Greek word soter. Soter is, is, is from the same root word as the Greek word sozo. Remember that word sozo? We, we've, we've talked about it a lot. When Jesus healed uh, Bartimaeus, he said, your faith has healed you. To another, he said, your faith, the woman with, with the sins, your faith has, has uh, your faith has, has You've been forgiven. You've been saved. Your faith has saved you. Another said, "Your faith has made you whole." All those when it talks about being saved, made whole, healed. The word is sozo, and so soter comes from that. When he says he's a savior, he's a sozo giver. Is what he's saying. He came to bring sozo to people. It means deliverer, savior, healer, preserver, one who makes well, one who makes whole. That's who Jesus is. He was telling these guys who Jesus is and what he's coming to do. I mean, he came to set mankind free and to redeem us from the dominion of sin and Satan's rule in the earth. He's saying that's why this, this, this king is here. He, 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 he said that Jesus has saving power, delivering power, healing power, making whole power, delivering power. He has all that rescuing power. That's who Jesus is. He was announced to be the Christ. And you know that word Christ is from the word Christos, which means the anointed one. He's, he's the anointed one, the one we've been waiting for. Christ is the, is the Greek word that's equivalent to the Hebrew word Messiah. And he said, the one we've been waiting our whole, you've been, not, not wait, the one you've been waiting your whole lives for is born tonight. And he is in Bethlehem. Now that would have been a good night to be a shepherd in that field. Wouldn't that have been something? Tonight you can find it. He's going to be there. And then he called him Lord. Christ the Lord. The word Lord here is the Greek word kurios. It's capitalized in the Greek. Which it's also Lord is capitalized in, in English as well. But it literally means the absolute Lord. He, there is no higher authority, no higher power than Jesus Christ. Christ in all the world, in all the universe. I mean, He reigns supreme. Isn't that a great, that's a great thing. When you're telling your kids and grandkids, that's who you need to tell them that, that these angels was talking about. They were talking about this angel. And so, then He says, And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. He, 
Now, you understand, there are lots of caves in, in Bethlehem, and that it wasn't like a, a building, a barn. So if you talk about Jesus being born in a barn, he was born in a cave because that's where the people took their animals in that part of the world. It was in a cave. There were lots of caves in the side of the hill. And so the angel is telling these shepherds how to figure out which, if there's another baby born, how to figure out which one is this one. And so he said, this will be a sign to you. The word sign means a sign to alert a viewer as to where he is or what he's seeing. It means to document, verify, guarantee. In other words, it's proof. It's like going down the freeway and seeing the sign that says, oh, you know, that you've been, you've been driving down the freeway and it says there's a restaurant up here, a restaurant up here. Finally, the sign says, this is it. That's the sign. He's saying, this is it. It'll be a sign. It literally says, this will be a sign especially for you. Especially unto you. Because they were shepherds in the field. I mean, he, he, gave them, he gave them symbols they would understand. He said, you will find this baby, the one I'm talking about, you will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The word find talks about, I like this word find. It means you've got to do some searching in order to find him. It's not, not, it may not be the first cave you come to. You're going to have to diligently seek after him. The Greek word is, is heurisko. We get the English word eureka from that word heurisko. In other words, it's like the gold miner that's mining and mining, and finally he strikes the vein of gold. He says, eureka, we found it. That's what he's talking about. He says, the treasure that I'm talking about is you, you'll find it in a cave wrapped in swaddling clothes. Calls him a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Talks about a newborn. I mean, this is probably within hours of Jesus' birth. And these shepherds are told by an angel that they find him wrapped in swaddling clothes. He had to tell them it's something they'd be used to seeing. I mean, here's what he's saying. We're talking more about swaddling clothes next time. But he says, hey, guys, I know you take care of sacrificial lambs, but you're you're looking at the wrong one. The real Lamb of God has just been born in Bethlehem. And when you see Him, you will know it's Him because He'll be dressed like a little lamb. It's a sign that's especially given to you shepherds. Isn't that good? He was telling him how to to find it. And so then, right after that, it says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Now I'm going to tell you something that you may not have ever heard before unless you were here when I taught, taught this two years ago. The scripture does not say that the angels were singing. Wait a minute. No. The Bible says, hark the herald angels sing. No, the Bible doesn't say that. The song says that. Yeah, what about joy to the world? No, the angels, it doesn't say the angels did that. The Bible does not say the angels were singing. I mean, most people assume the angels were singing at Jesus' birth, but the Bible doesn't say that. In fact, you cannot find a single verse in the Bible that says an angel ever sang. That's a challenge to you to study the whole Bible to find out if you can find where an angel sang. Now, in in, in Zephaniah 3, verse 17, it says that God the Father is singing over His people. God, we find God singing. There's not an angel singing. 
in Hebrew, I mean, in, in Revelation, the 24 elders, you know, they cry out and worship him around his throne, but it doesn't say that an angel ever sang in the Bible. I hate to throw out your tradition right there. You can still sing the song. I don't care. <laughs> but the Bible never says they sang anything. They said something. And they said, I mean, they, they, were, they were talking. It says, and it came to pass the angels. It says, they said that they were saying, glory to God the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. They said it. They proclaimed it. They shouted it. Then it says, And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, and the Lord that the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Imagine how good that made Mary feel. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Here we see in this passage that the shepherds were the very first evangelists to preach the good news about Jesus. I mean, they went and they found Jesus. And then they went and told everybody about it. That might make me go tell everybody about it too. If angels came to me, and then I went and found a little baby in a manger, just like they said, and he was dressed like a lamb, I might go tell everybody about it. Say, this is a strange night, but the Savior of the world was born right here in Bethlehem. Isn't that good? Okay, we've got a couple more minutes, and we're going to talk, talk about the wise men for just a second. This is out of Matthew chapter 2, beginning of verse 1. It says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. I don't know if you've ever thought much about this story. It's kind of an interesting thing. When Herod, the king, heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Why was all of Jerusalem troubled? Because if Herod was troubled, everybody was troubled. Because Herod killed everybody that he didn't like. He was a very wicked man. And it says, it says when they had gathered the, pre- the priests and the scribes, and the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor, that, my people, that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, now he's upset because there's another king, and he wants to be the only king. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently at what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. When you found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them, and it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come in the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, fell down and worshipped him. When they opened their treasures, they presented him unto him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream, they should return not to return to Herod. They departed their own country in another way. So here we have these guys. They come to, to Jerusalem. Again, I'm not going to talk a lot about Herod, but he was a bad man, and he was one of the most vicious rulers ever. All right? It says, he was born, they, they came wise men from Jerusalem. It's interesting, it begins with that same word, behold. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold. 
Again, it's like, wow. It's bewilderment, shock, amazement. I mean, Matthew was with Jesus all this time, and now he's retelling the story that Mary apparently told him. And so he's talking about it, and he's in wonder and amazement. I mean, he's still, but he's writing the book. Even after Jesus is crucified and resurrected, he's writing this book, and he's still in amazement that all these things took place. He says, can you imagine it? So he said, they came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Now, the word wise men in the Greek is the word magos. Magos. It's the plural form of magi. And here's what it is. It describes a group of Median priests and astronomers that were strongly influenced by Daniel, who served in Babylon. Okay, And they held this very powerful position in this era. In fact, and we may talk about it in a few minutes, by many they were considered to be king makers. These were very powerful men. These wise men or magi were not three lowly kings or lowly priests traveling through the wilderness by camels by themselves. We see, we see the story a lot, and there's we three kings of Orient are, bearing gifts we travel afar. Well, the deal is, is there were maybe just three kings, but maybe 12 kings, and there weren't just three people on camels, and they didn't just get there with a tiny bit of gold, a little bit of frankincense, and a little bit of myrrh, because that's not who these people were, all right? They came, and they were very powerful men. They, they showed up, and they said, they came to King Herod and said, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And it's interesting here. It says, it says they were saying. The word saying here in the Greek, the, the tense means they were saying and saying and saying and saying. They came into the city, and they were asking everybody, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? And when they came to town, and I'll talk about this in a second, they had this big old herd of people with them. They were bringing all the stuff and all their all their riches and all their foods and all those things. So this great big group of people come into town, and they're saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? And that caused an uproar everywhere because most of these people had never heard that the king of the Jews was, 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 uh, was born there. And they talked about him being the king. The word is basileus in the Greek. It means a king, an emperor, or the highest ruler. In this passage, it is capitalized in the Greek. It's talking about the king of kings, the highest king. And they're asking for that, where, the, where the king of kings is. And they said they wanted to go and worship him. The word here means to kiss the ground. They were talking about we are wanting to kiss the ground in front of him. We want to prostrate before this superior, to fall down and prostrate oneself, to adore on one's knees, to worship with all necessary physical gestures of worship. These men came. They are powerful men that came from the east, and they're coming, and they're going to get groveled in front of a baby that they know is going to be the king. That's what they're looking for. So what does history tell us about the Magi? We don't find them mentioned in Mark, Luke, and John. Don't talk about them at all, all right? But we know some things about them from history. Remember the guy named Daniel that was taken to Babylon in about 600 B.C.? He became, he became the head of the group of Magi. He was the Magi of Magis, and he loved the Lord. And these scholars came, these scholars came and they listened to him because he, was, he had the prophecies. He had scripture. He was well-known. He was considered sacred by the Magi's of Babylon. Everything he said, they recorded and they had. And so he was highly proficient at interpreting dreams and visions. He heard from God. As a result, he, his influence was felt by, in Babylon for centuries because he was, he was so, so important there. 
Babylon was pagan, but Daniel was not. They tried to incorporate it like other, like some churches do with their pagan religions. But I mean, his godly influence affected all that part. I mean, they revered Daniel's faith and who he was. I mean, his prophecies, the scriptures. I mean, due to that, they believed what he wrote. They were waiting for a world leader that Daniel told them would come. They knew it was going to happen. Actually, when Jesus was born, all over the world there were different religions and ones thinking that a, that a great leader was supposed to be born at this particular time. Okay, and so, as the history, it tells us that the Magi in the East were exceedingly rich and powerful, and in most cases more rich and powerful than a king. They were wealthy people. I mean, they were considered what many call kingmakers in parts of the world. If they went into a kingdom that they didn't appreciate the king, they could pull him down and they could put somebody in their place. They were that, that powerful. Okay? When they traveled, they traveled in huge caravans. Huge caravans. It tells us that one time the Magi came to Rome to see Nero. And their arrival terrified him. He was, this guy killed people at will, but they, he knew their influence, and he didn't want them to be on their bad list. I mean, he, 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 was, he was frightened of them. When he got to Jerusalem, Herod reacted the same way. Right? So here are these mighty men with lots of gold, lots of frankincense, and lots of myrrh came into Jerusalem looking for this king that was born king of the Jews because they saw a star. So how many were there? Well, some people say there were three. Other historians say there were as many as 12. They came. All of them came. Some have suggested that the names of three of them were Gaspar, Melchior, and Balthasar. Okay, and we all know those names. But there could have been nine more that we don't know their names. Could have been just those three. We don't know. But we know they traveled in huge caravans with hundreds of servants. For the Magi to come meant these, there were hundreds of people traveling with them to assist them wherever they went and with whatever they needed. While some others some assisted in carrying gifts of the newborn, some did the food, people did all these things. When they arrived in Jerusalem, it was an uproar because they had all those people that came. Everyone, including Herod, heard they were approaching the city. They saw them from a long way away, and they knew their visit long before they arrived. It said, when Herod heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. I mean, Herod historically was one of the most, he was so afraid. The paranoia overtook him that somebody was going to take his throne. He was very jealous, and he did not, he did not do well when someone else called themselves a king. So they were all troubled. Let's talk about the star for just a moment. I'm almost done. The star has been immortalized in songs and paintings and greeting cards. In fact, anybody here put a star on the top of their tree? I mean, yeah, we, the star is pretty famous. For hundreds of years, astronomers and historians, they've been trying to determine exactly which star this was. And so finally, a German astronomer named Kelper proposed that this star was an alignment of Jupiter and Saturn in the year 7 B.C., it's kind of interesting uh, because that's really just about the time Jesus was born in 7 B.C. And so there was this much brighter than usual star. It was seen throughout the Roman Empire. So the Magi came to Jerusalem in search of this world leader, the star. For them to have followed this star, it must have been quite impressive. 
And so it was probably about 7 BC. These guys were religious priests. They believed this to be the sign of the long-awaited powerful world leader that would come. And so they came and they offered him. They fell on their faces. They offered Jesus gold and frankincense and myrrh. And you cannot think that these powerful kings came and gave Jesus an ounce of myrrh. Five ounces of frankincense and an ounce of gold. They would not have traveled that far with that big caravan to offer him a little bit of stuff. They offered him a lot of things. Pounds of gold, pounds of frankincense, pounds of myrrh. They offer this thing because they believed with all their hearts this was the ruler of the world. And they came and offered it. So that's all we're going to talk about tonight. But here's what I want us to take away. Christmas is time for us to be like the shepherds and announce the good news. We need to talk to people about Christmas and the story about Christmas. And it's also a time for us to give extravagant worship to this King of Kings as the wise men did. I mean, we live in a crazy world. Crazy things are happening. We need to be focused on Him this time of year. Next time we're going to talk about the Christ of Christmas and what He did that Christmas night. But let's pray. Father, tonight we thank You for Jesus. We thank You for the wise men. We thank You for what they brought for what they did and they showed us how significant this time was and how important it is for us to honor you with our worship. Lord, we thank you that we have the opportunity to come into your presence by faith in Jesus' blood. We have the opportunity to worship you anytime, any place. Lord, I pray this Christmas season that we be mindful of who Jesus is, what this season is about that we choose not to stress, and that we choose to be faithful to you. Lord, I pray your word minister to us, that we get revelation from you tonight. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.